That's a little church plant humor. Thank you, Jay. I should take her to my stand-up nights. I wanted to pray. I wanted to pray for Liz. Liz is one of our elders, and she's uh, teaching this morning. So let's pray. So, Father, would you uh, inhabit uh, Liz's words? And as she prepped, as she submitted to you in those moments, uh, would that overflow into this time? And we ask uh, that we would have ears and hearts to hear and to receive from you what you have for us today. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Is my mic on? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Um, this morning, I am excited to get to join in the Advent celebrations here. A few weeks ago, Bo asked if I'd consider teaching in the month of December, and he sent out all the topics. And I, uh, I saw this date, and I love the idea of Mary and her saying yes to the impossible. And so I was really, really excited, and I feel like there are stages of emotions when it comes to teaching, um, probably in similar ways, there's like stages of grief, you know, there's the excitement, there's the joy, and then there's the terror when you realize you've accidentally committed to explaining the Immaculate Conception. <laughs> but I'm back, and I am back to being excited about sharing with you all about Mary, the female lead in this story one of the most revered women in history, um, but maybe most importantly, a woman who took a chance and trusted that God was gonna do the impossible through her and all that went into that ask. So God, I ask that you communicate this morning your truths, Lord, that your message, the way that you want to move us, um, to get us excited about your son and what he did and what he's going to do. God, remind us that you are a good father and a strong king and that your voice would be louder than ours. Amen. On Wednesday nights, I get the pleasure of hanging out with the high school, middle school students here at Genesis. Um, and we've been discussing Advent, or at least we were, kind of back around Thanksgiving. And we were going through all of the ways that we were encouraging them to experience Advent, to um, make Advent maybe more meaningful, do things they've never done before to anticipate Christmas. And we were almost done with our discussion, and one of my students raised their hand. It's like, what, what, what is Advent? I was like, oh, we should have started back at the beginning. So, assuming that if one in ten middle schoolers don't know what Advent is, there might be someone in here who doesn't either. Um, and so this is how I've come to understand it. So Advent is a word that comes out of Latin, and it means coming. And in the historical tradition of the church, it means that um, it was the coming of Jesus when he came as a baby 2,000 years ago or so. And it also can be used to refer to the coming of Jesus in the future, uh, that we don't know when that's going to be. And one of the pieces that I love about Advent is that it comes every year. That every year we get to reanticipate the coming of Jesus as a baby. Every year we get to take time to remember this key defining point in history when God's master rescue plan for humans was enacted. I've experienced Advent every year of my life to varying degrees. It marks the end of silence from God and the beginning of the new, it's the beginning of God's kingdom on earth. And the expectation and the hope of this is just the best. And I've 
always been a fan of this anticipation. As a kid, I remember always feeling disappointment on Christmas. And not that Christmas itself was disappointing. Gifts are my love language, so Christmas morning was the best. But it was because the anticipation was over. I would tell people, I still tell people, Christmas Eve is my favorite day because the anticipation of Jesus coming is so close. 12 years ago next month, um, my husband proposed. Obviously, I said yes. Um, but in the proposal, I didn't see it coming. And the thing is, I should have. We had been dating for a long time. We were in love. We knew we were going to get married. We talked about it. Um, and then, on this random day in January, he had me clear a whole Saturday. He said he wanted to spend the whole day with me. And he planned out all of these things that were my favorite. We went, used book shopping. We went exploring in the city. We went ice skating. He read me poetry in the middle of a forest in a snowstorm. I mean, I should have seen it. <laughs> and the whole day, that's not even the best, the whole day culminated with a private tour of a castle in Omaha, Nebraska, because that exists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we were led by our tour guide to the top of a tower in this castle. And he left us alone, and there was a card on the ground that said, follow this rope. And it was tied to this red satin cord. And we wandered down through the castle and end in this beautiful room that was filled with Christmas lights and flowers. And the rope ended up with another card on a table filled with candles. And we walked into that room. I stopped and I turned to Jay, eyes wide, and I said, Jay, we have to get out of here. Somebody is about to get engaged and we're gonna ruin it. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. <laughs> and I shouldn't have missed the signs. In fact, so after I said yes, I actually made us go back to the tower and redo it all again so I could anticipate it properly. And that's what I feel is what Advent is like. That maybe we missed it the first time. Maybe we didn't get excited like we probably should have. Maybe we didn't anticipate or value the coming of Jesus enough. But every year we get to try again. And when you go back through history, the coming of Jesus was missed by a lot of people. And even though it had been prophesied about for centuries, people didn't see it coming. And God had handed his people promises, telling him about what it would be like when a savior and the hero of the story arrived, but they misunderstood. They were given some specifics. They were told that Jesus would be part of a specific tribe, the tribe of Judah. They were told he would be from the line of David, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be born to a virgin. They were given this great, wonderful statement that we repeat every year at Christmas, for unto us a child is born. This is in Isaiah. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A statement alone would be enough to excite people about the coming Savior. 
They were oppressed, and they thought they were going to get the epitome of a conquering hero. And instead, they got a baby who quietly entered the world with a little bit of scandal attached to him. He was the son of a carpenter. He was homeless at birth. He became a refugee before he was two. But one person knew first. One person knew that Jesus was coming soon, and that girl who was chosen to carry him inside her was Mary. So we're going to pick up the story of Mary in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and it's the point where she learns or she's maybe given the clearest directive, Jesus is coming soon. Um, Quick context, this comes right after we are told about her cousin Elizabeth, who was older than Mary. She'd been married a long time. She hadn't had any children. She was considered barren. And miraculously, her and her husband conceived. And when Elizabeth found out she was pregnant, she went off into seclusion for five months. So Mary hadn't seen her. And then here's the next part of the story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So much good in this passage. There's so much to help us re-anticipate God's coming. So much to remind us of God's love of doing things that seem to be impossible. I've been sitting on this passage for a couple of weeks, mentally placing myself in Mary's shoes. In all likelihood, Mary was a teenage girl. I've been a teenage girl. I work regularly with teenage girls. I tell you, never doubt the faith of a teenage girl. I don't know if my response would have been the same as Mary. I have a really strong fight-or-flight response, so in terrifying situations, I probably would have been out the door. But Gabriel begins by reminding Mary of her identity in God. He says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. If I was in a situation like that, would I turn introspective like Mary? Would I agree with the angel? Yes, I'm favored. 
Or like Mary, would I be confused and disturbed? I've never interacted with an angel, but I have sensed things from the Holy Spirit. I feel like I have felt and heard the word of God in my life, things that speak to my identity in the same way the angel was speaking to hers. And that led me to wonder, how have I accepted those? Do I let them shape me? Do they cause me to want to listen to God's voice more? Or do they confuse and disturb me? And in Mary's case, she didn't necessarily accept those words right away. My guess, I don't know this for sure, but my guess is this was her first interaction with a supremely spiritual creature. So she sat quietly and she waited for what was coming next. And what came next was this. Luke 1.30, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. There it is. It's the big one, the statement that would change her once planned, fairly simple life. No longer would she be anonymous to history. Instead, she is being told that the Savior, the one who had been promised for centuries, was going to come from her. And she would have known those promises. She would have heard the stories of the Israelites, of King David. Most likely, she would have known her family history all the way back to Abraham. But did she ever think it was going to be her? Probably not. Did she and her friends sit around and talk about which one of them was going to get to carry Jesus? Probably not. She was engaged to be married. She was about to start her life. She was a virgin. She probably wasn't even from the line of David. Joseph was. But her son was going to be king. And this was impossible. But God likes to do the impossible. And he likes to invite humans, his image bearers, to join. The next thing Mary does, I can relate with. It's a very human thing. She wants to know some logistics. So in Luke 134, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called Son of God. It is a reasonable human question that Mary asks, but it receives an answer that exceeds all human reason. There's a book of meditations on Advent that I love, and it's called Preparing for Jesus. It's written by an author named Walter Rangren Jr. That's a tongue twister. And he describes this point in the conversation like this. She says, this is the way of all flesh. And Gabriel answers, but you are about to see the ways of God. Mary says, no baby was ever conceived without a man as father. And Gabriel answers, this baby's father shall be no man. His father shall be God. Mary says, in every child, the characteristics of both parents are manifest together. And Gabriel agrees. Yes, Jesus will be flesh like you, 
and like God, he will be holy, truly the Son of God. The impossible was being offered to Mary and through Mary, and she was listening now. She hadn't said no, so Gabriel threw in a little bonus information. Now, I am married to a salesman. I can spot a salesman a mile away, and Gabriel is a total salesman. He needed a teenage girl to agree to something impossible, and God knew just the angel for the job. So Gabriel adds this. He says, what's more, your Elizabeth, or Elizabeth, your relative, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. The word of God will never fail. It's like he says, look at the people around you. They're experiencing God doing the impossible. Your own family, Mary, is experiencing the possible. Now it's your turn. Word of God doesn't fail. Remember this. If you know me and you know my family, you know that we have grown our family, Team Taylor, through the process of adoption. And my oldest son, who's six, has his own beautiful adoption story, and it came when we least expected it. Simply told that we were in the adoption process, um, but we had barely begun. We weren't approved by the state. We happened to have an infant car seat we had picked up the day before. But we got a call one day asking if we would say yes to a baby boy, a baby boy who hadn't had any prenatal care, a baby boy with an unknown family history at the time, a baby boy who had already been turned down by other families, and we were the last option. In the morning of that phone call, there was a quote that popped up on my social media page from Bob Goff, and it was this, the word yes has a quiet kind of power. Saying yes to our son changed everything for Jay and I. And Mary, she too said yes. And it literally changed everything. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary trusted God to do the impossible through her. She was a virgin, yet she would be pregnant. She wasn't part of the kingly line, and she was still going to give a son or give birth to a son who is part of the kingly line, which meant that she had to understand that Joseph was going to accept her somehow. She didn't know all the details. She didn't know anything that was going to happen beyond that point. But she had a deep trust in God that went to things beyond her control. Mary, a teenage girl from Nazareth who gave birth in a dirty barn, who had both shepherds and kings come and worship her baby. Mary, who went to a foreign country in order to protect her son, who was entrusted to her care. Mary, the terrified mom who searched for her lost boy on streets of Jerusalem. 
married the woman who had enough influence over Jesus to convince him to spice up a wedding by doing his first public miracle of turning water into wine. And Mary, the grieved mother who cried at the foot of the cross. In the moment, a split second of saying yes to God's intent to have her do the impossible, she set an example of intense faith. And that yes held the quiet kind of power that changed history as we know it. There's a song that always comes to mind when considering Mary and her role in this story and the story of history. And I believe it paints a really clear picture of what Mary was saying yes to. When God accomplishes the impossible through us, it isn't always pretty. It isn't always easy. Often it is hard. Often it can break our hearts. Roman 8 says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? He didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? So the song is going to play. There are words on the screen. They will be really tiny. Um, but as the song plays, you can either follow along, close your eyes, think about the words, think about the power of her yes. And think about if there are things that God is speaking to your identity, and are you accepting those? Are there things that God is asking you to say yes to? So we can go ahead and play that song. It's available.
shafts of moonlight on his face but the baby in her womb he was a maker of the moon he was the author of the fate that could make the mountains good song, right? <laughs> All right. So I hope you were thinking, because I now have a couple of questions for you. In our anticipation, in our excitement for Christmas, here's the first thing I would like you to consider. Where have you seen the impossible come true through the hand of God? In your life or in others? Why don't you take a moment, think about the answer, ask God to bring one to mind. Just maybe take 30 seconds and just listen. Now, these are the things that are meant to be shared. That's why we share testimonies just about every week here. You've heard some amazing ones shared today. So I want you to turn to the people around you, two or three people, grab people if they're sitting by themselves, and share the impossible ways that came to mind. And if you can't think of any, you can steal one that was shared from testimony time earlier. So go ahead, turn to the people and talk. <laughs>
All right, when you are, I mean, we can share about this all day. I love this conversation, but when you have shared, I have one more question. I like the visual aids I saw coming over in this part of the room. All right, my second question for you all is this. Is there one thing, it can be a small thing, that you feel like God is asking you to say yes to right now, this week? Take a moment and think about it. Is there one small thing you feel like God is asking you to say yes to right now? When you have one, feel free to turn to your same new friends you just made and share that as well. Is that one a little bit harder to share? Because <laughs> once you say it out loud, then you really have to do it, right? <laughs> All right, church, keep sharing those. Keep sharing when you see God doing the impossible. Keep sharing when he is asking you to do the impossible. Because he's going to be there for you. And church, may you go today expecting Jesus' coming. May anticipation shape your days. May you sense God inviting you to the impossible, and may you see the world change because of it. May you see the kingdom come because of your yes. For those of you who have kids in the Christmas Eve pageant, there is a practice right after church today. That is all that I have, and church, you are dismissed. <laughs>